I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Monday morning, I send out a storytelling tip to my email subscribers, and I talk about how I have used it in my own storytelling for my clients and for myself, and I leave you with tangible advice on how you can apply it to your strategies. If this sounds like something that would interest you, go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Again, that's rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that helps you tell heartfelt stories to maximize your impact in minimal time. Find out more about what we do at sixsecondstories.com. Special announcement, storytellers, I have launched my first online course. I've been waiting a long time. I've been so excited to do this. It is called Uncover the Story to Launch Your Personal Brand. Now, that last word, that last concept, personal brand, is one that I fought against. I resisted folks for a long, long time. And hey, flash forward, guess what? When I leaned into it, when I embraced it, when I cultivated a personal brand, the story that I tell others things started to unlock in whole new ways for me. I was able to build a business just off of who I was as a person. Instead of starting from scratch every time I started a brand new project and then bouncing and spinning around from project to project, the core of my business is me. 
and everything else is extended from that core. So if I want to be Rain Bennett, the podcaster, Rain Bennett, the author, Rain Bennett, the online course instructor, the storytelling coach, the keynote speaker, the filmmaker, they're all coming back to that same core personal brand. This is what I'm helping people do. I started coaching when the pandemic hit because all my speaking gigs stopped and it has impacted my life and I think it's impacted others' lives in such such a magnificent way, an unexpected way for me. Yes, I consulted with businesses and organizations, but I found the most profound impact by helping other people who had thoughts in the back of their head that they could do great things and serve people and make an impact on the world, but they just weren't sure how to access that thing within them. I helped them do that through finding their story. That has been so fulfilling for me, and I want to help you do that too. The thing is, not everybody can afford the over $1,000 of cost in the coaching package to do that. So I created a 14-lesson course that has all of the things and more that those coaching packages have, including a community of other storytellers so that you can share your experiences with and you can learn from them as well. All of this for $149. We will put the link to the course in the show notes. We are hosting the course on thinkific.com. It is called the Rain Bennett Storytelling School, and you can always find out information at rainbennett.com. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had one of these moments where you meet someone whose work you're a fan of and you meet them in person or you talk to them for the first time, you've been watching them from afar and digesting their content, watching them speak, whatever it is that they do, whatever whatever world that you are in. But you meet this person and then you find out that they're actually a fan of your work too. And you're like, what? How is this possible? I'm a fan of your What? <laughs> and your mind is just blown <laughs> I kind of had a moment like that with uh, our guest today, Mike Ganino. Um, now, Mike might have just been either one, doing his due diligence, or two, being polite. But either way, I was flattered and it meant a lot to me because when I reached out to him to be on the show, he said and responded, and I quote, absolutely in all caps. And we talked about the show and he said that his favorite episodes were with, cause I knew that he knew some of the people, but not, not these people. I thought we had different connections. We've, we've been swimming around each other for a few months and we know a lot of the same people in the storytelling space, but I didn't know that he had listened to the show and I didn't know that the people that he was friends with were who they were. I thought I thought we had different connections. And so he said, yeah, I really liked the episode with my friend Melissa Casera, which was way back in like season two, I think, maybe season three. And Paul Zach, uh, who was like a, a hero of mine. And I told him that was one of my big fanboy moments on the show. And so just by, by doing that, he told me that not, and the way he said it wasn't like he went that day and went to go listen to these episodes or saw they had done it. He said it like he's a listener of the show. Now, again, I don't know if that's true or not, but I have to take him uh, at his word, but it was so real. I have no reason to doubt that. And if it's real, then man, I was really flattered and uh, proud of that moment because this is someone I look up to. I love the work that he's done. He's a great speaker. He is a great storyteller. He's got this energy about him and he clearly understands the story that he tells himself. And that is what we talked a lot about today. And I know that a lot of you out there are struggling with the story that you tell yourselves and how to find that right story and use that story to help others, the people that you're trying to serve. This is episode 98 
of the Storytelling Lab. Season six is almost done, which each season I say it's our best season yet, because that's true. We're getting better and better, and the guests are getting better and better, and the show's getting better and better. But this is the final guest of the season, and that is for a reason. Do you like that there? I rhyme. I rhyme all the time. And there's a reason that Mike is the final guest of the season. And one, that's because he brings it. He brings the heat. He brings the noise. He brings the story, right? He brings the energy. But also because everything that he does is kind of the culmination of what we talk about, especially what we've talked about this season on the show. We almost every episode this season has been about unlocking that story within you. Yes, of course, it's how to use storytelling in your business. Yes, of course, it's how to understand how to use stories and leverage stories to make connections and deeper impact on your audience. But a lot of the content that we've talked about this season has been about unlocking the story within you. And that's why this is such a perfect last guest episode of season six. We will have one more episode with me next week and then a final recap bonus episode for our 100th 100th (laughs) 100th show which I'm so stoked about so proud of but Mike and I talked for a while today and we really connected like I like I thought we would and in many ways where I didn't even realize we would I mean for instance yeah he grew up in a trailer park in California I didn't even know they had trailer parks in California now I didn't grow up in a trailer park but I grew up very trailer park adjacent Uh, and a lot of my friends did, and I am no stranger to the trailer. So, uh, Mike and I, that's not the only thing that we had in common, but we, we hit it off really well. I tend to hit it off my guests because I I really am passionate about what I do. They're passionate about what they do. And there is some overlap in what we do, right? So we have things in common, but I just really dig the work that he's done to find his place in this storytelling space. I'm sorry, the rhymes are just just coming. I'm not even intending to to do that. But we talk about how important it is to be your real self and finding where your real self aligns with the people in your audience through your shared world lived experiences. When you can find that, there is no stopping your story. And there is no stopping your journey when you can find where that alignment, where that connection is. And we talk about how the simple steps to being more real, to having more of those emotional mic drop, fuck, to having more of those emotional mic drop moments, as he calls them. You know, when you impact people in a way that they really remember it, they're not going to remember every little detail that you tell them in my world, every little detail that I tell them about story structure. But they're going to remember certain powerful, significant things that are really going to change their perspective. That's a mic drop drop moment, right? Or a light bulb moment, a moment when there's real epiphany, where there's real change and transformation in the minds of your audience. That is what you're trying to cultivate. That's what you're trying to create. And you can do it. But the more you are in tune with your story and the story you tell yourself, the more effective you will be able to do it this is the crux of the conversation that we had today we got to go ahead and get into it because there's so much benefit in you just learning from this person learning from mike there's so much that i learned in just 45 minute conversation i can't wait to learn more so i'm going to stop talking so that you can hear this because this is what you came for and i promise you you're going to get a lot of value out of it so here's my conversation with mike anino and i hope that you love it 
seem to me, you know, we like are on the fringes of knowing each other. You know, we've been connected for a while and like we'll tweet back and forth and we'll send some messages. But, we, you know, that's why I was really excited to get on the, the, the phone with you uh, to get on this this the show and, and just have a chat because I've I've been wanting to for a while and we've just been like dipping our toes in the, in the water. <laughs> so I'm excited to, to really talk to you now. But that to me seems to be something that and it doesn't mean you're not still ever evolving as we all are, but it seems to me to be something that you have gone through. Like you've had this moment where, where you've started to really understand who you are, where you fit in the world and like living your true story. Now, again, I know that that doesn't mean that you aren't constantly tweaking it and figuring it out, but let's talk about that because I think a lot of people struggle with finding that and they don't ask those questions. So this is a big, broad question. Let's just see how we can unpack it a little bit. How does one begin that journey of really understanding the story they're telling themselves and how to alter that or change that? It's a really, it's a really interesting, pro you know, it's funny to call it a process and be like, there's a process and you enter the cave and then you come out of the cave and the process yeah. is done because it's like, it's not, it's, it's evolution in the same way that like when you know, I teach, I teach oral storytelling and you and I both come from more of the like performative side of storytelling versus I think, you know, when you hear storytelling from a lot of people, 90% uh, of the podcasts you're going to find are about copywriting or yeah, about sure. uh, screenplay or, or something like that yeah. versus what you and I do. Um, and, and you in the documentary world as well on that side of your life, um, telling those stories. But when we tell oral stories, the thing about them is, is that like, if I write a story and I put it out there, it, for me, when I wrote it and put it out there, it didn't, it doesn't change. It may change for the reader. It mm -hmm. may change over time when the context changes in the world. And we look back kind of, I think a lot of us are doing that right now. We're watching old sitcoms or reading books and being like, I laughed at that once yeah, upon yeah, a time. Yeah. I can't believe I laughed at that yeah. um, because the world has changed and, 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 our worldview has changed. And so we look back and we say, oh my, even Friends, you know, that TV show Friends, I was watching one the other day and it was like, oh, I can't believe I laughed at this once. Like, this is awful. But, you know, that's what happens. But when it's oral storytelling, every single time we tell the story, we are in process with it because how we feel about it shifts all the time. How we feel about the thing we went through shifts. How we feel about who we were then shifts. Who we are today has shifted. So each time we stand up, or sit down if you're, you know, at the couch talking to family or something or in a job interview, every time we tell that story, it is a new story because we've changed. It's impossible for us to tell that story that way. And that's going to show up in all those little tiny ways, um, the little vocal changes, how, how you breathe when you tell it, how you feel when you tell it, all of those things. But just the process of telling oral storytelling, that alone changes you because as you say it each time you're kind of caught thinking wait how did i feel that's weird that i'm I'm saying the story that i've told a million times but dang i feel different about it today so that's one thing i think is really different and then the other thing about the the process of doing it one of the the activities i think is really interesting that i learned i think in a in a screenplay class mm -hmm. a million years ago when we were coming up with ideas was to go through and Think about all the worlds you've been in or mastered, whatever you want to say. All the worlds. So like little tiny worlds. So for me, um, kid born to a teen mom, um, kid in the trailer park, um, 
gay kid in school, um, young person working at Pizza Hut, person moving, all of those worlds you've had to do because each and every single one of those is a time when you changed. Yeah. And, 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 and everybody who, who thinks about anything with storytelling, it's always about change, transformation, something shifting. And that right there, I think, is the biggest part of the process of starting to think about who you are is not. We tend to look at it. I think there's this pressure to, to look at it and say, oh, I, I, I was a zygote and then now I'm an old person. And what has that journey been? And it's really just like, what are all the tiny little worlds you've navigated? Because yeah. in those worlds, that's your through line. Oh. So I, it's messy, but I think that's it. I love this. I love this so much. And it's been on my mind uh, and, and what I've been doing for work a lot in the past year specifically, you know, I, I have this exercise, this concept of finding our unique intersections to help carve out that, you know, that mm. story, which is ours. And, and it's like a three-part Venn diagram of our skills, what, what we're good at, our passions, what we love, what lights our heart on fire. And the third, which I think is the most important and really finding that that middle section is our experiences is what you're talking about and each one of those drastic i mean maybe not drastically but significantly impacts our view of the world the way we walk in the world yeah. even the thing like you worked at pizza hut i worked at pizza inn like our experiences <laughs> there there's a lot of parallels here too i'm really interested just to like get to know you better but all of those, if you find the way, you know, you called it the through line to the, 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 the intersection, it's, it's the same kind of thing. If you find where they uniquely tie together, that can be really powerful in, in, you know, your own identity and then figuring out how you're meant to serve the world, the people you're meant to impact and serve. Um, but I, I think that's, I, I, I just had the plus one that and echo that so <laughs> loudly of like each one of those unique experiences is, is a, is a moment for you to change. It's changed the way you view the world. It's changed your story. And I think often people overlook that. And it's not just what you do well and what you love, but yeah, that time, how did, you know, those two years working at Pete's Inn shape the way you viewed things? What did you learn there? Did you grow, et cetera? So I, yeah. I love that. I want, go ahead. And, and the reality is that, that I add one little extra piece to it. It is not even so much to ask yourself, did you learn or did you grow? You did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. The fact that you like woke up and showed up every day. Mm -hmm. You did. And maybe the journey is that you didn't you didn't really change that much, but there's so much stuff going around you. Why did you resist changing? Why did you not explore that? What made you feel in that place for 2 years working at Pizza Inn or working at the Pizza Hut that you didn't change? That's Why cool. didn't you? Because that's a story that's of like everything around me was so chaotic that I felt in this job at this place, I needed to be steady because everything in my life was chaos. That's a story. So it's impossible, I think, for you to wake up every day and be in any type of those worlds and not be impacted by it, even if the impact was I'm going to put my feet in the ground and not change. That's, That's a story we're telling. Don't such you think? a good point. Oh my yeah. God, yes. And I've never said it like that or even thought about it like that. That's so profound. I really, really, really dig that. It's so true. And you know, you saying and kind of exposing like that, that's a story to be told. I think something that people, you know, we both try to help people understand how to use story in their, in their lives, in their businesses. And that's something that I think is challenging for, for people <laughs> is to understand like, well, you know, what is it? What is a story? What story should I tell? What stories can I tell? How do I see the opportunities for stories? And that's just a really unique one that you, you just uncovered there that, um, that even I wasn't really tuned into, but like, yeah, even if you don't, 
change in the moment there's a reason for that there's a story there really really dig that um you mentioned earlier trailer park that piqued my interest because that sounds like you're my people (laughs) where did you grow up where are you from uh yeah i grew up in in southern california okay um, in san diego county what'd you say the trailer parks of southern california they you know what there's even a trailer park in malibu so uh it's very expensive lot rental in malibu um (laughs) but there are trailer parks in malibu even with beautiful views up on the hill we had a friend who had one and she like was selling it and when you sell the spot at the trailer park what you're selling is the movable house yeah and then lifetime rental because mm-hmm. you don't own the land. Right. And it was like selling for like over a million dollars, this like two bedroom trailer, but wow. it was a gorgeous trailer. I mean, his trailers go, it's very fancy, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, you're selling a movable box that you take that trailer and you move it to the middle of the desert and it is not that great anymore. Yeah. Um, and lifetime rental because you don't ever actually own the property. It was like amazing, but I didn't grow up in the Malibu trailer. Right. Um, I grew up in like San Diego County, kind of in the, in the wooded areas there. We tend to think of, you know, Southern California, we think of Los Angeles or San Diego or sure. Orange County. And it's like, yeah, and that's a strip along the coast. Right, exactly. And then you go inland and there's a bunch of trailer parks and, and meth addicts. So uh, welcome to California, everybody. Yeah. Um, and so I grew up in that area, not not the meth addict area, but the but the trailer park area for sure. And <laughs> um, yeah, my, and my mom, my mom was was young when I was born. She was 15. Yeah. And we, you know, that's kind of the the there's the the statistics around what life will look like and we had a lot of those yeah. and then we had a, a lot of them that didn't turn out uh, that turned out much better than the statistics mm. on on that show so yeah but yeah that's where i grew up hanging out over there in the in the trailers in the apartment buildings all those places that sounds uh very familiar for me on the other coast i grew up Does in it? north carolina on the on the east coast and North Carolina has beautiful beaches as well, but if you start to move inland a little bit, there's a lot of just like nothingness and yeah. trailer parks and meth. Uh, <laughs> um, so how did you how did you kind of break out of that? And, and and I ask it that way because you know a lot of times when people grow up in that environment, it's really hard to. Um, what was your path out of there? I think you know if I look back and I say like what was the what was the driving force underneath of it. I think there was like some, for whatever reason, whether it was the astrological signs lining up when I was born, whether it was, uh, you know, I, we were talking about this before. I've, I have a, a newborn, mm-hmm. you have a, ch- a child as well. And there's something about those early days of like incubating and kind of being with the baby. And, and you realize that even though like, she's not going to remember anything that I'm doing right now, I'm like instilling all of this foundational stuff. Absolutely. And so as much as there's a million things that I think my mom punishes herself for uh, that, that went wrong later on, I think in those beginning days, I was just like attached at her hip, like her best little friend, like she dropped it of high school, you know, yeah. she was 14, 15, she dropped it of high school. And so hung out with me all the time. And I think in some way, the miracle of that is she instilled this like confidence in me that I think otherwise I wouldn't have had. And so, uh, mom, if you're listening, she probably will be, um, whatever happened later, stuff happens, but like that foundation that made me, uh, confident and feel safe in the world, I think is the thing that eventually helped me get out of that world and, and do that. I mean, I've, I've written a book. I've, I've been on stage at the Boston opera house as the executive producer of TEDx Cambridge. Um, I've, you know, I've worked with astronauts to help them do their speeches and things like that. I've worked with the CIA. The only reason I ever, I think I did all of that was because for some reason from birth to ongoing, there was some 
delusional thing that I had that when when people told me you could be anything you want to be, I freaking believed them. I thought that was true. And I thought, well, if I just keep trying things, uh, things will work out. And so I think that made me resilient and it made me kind of say, I don't know, like they said you could be what you want to be. So like, go be it, go yeah. figure it out. Uh, and sometimes that's been bad because I also am very uh, quick to fall in love with new things. So I've been like, oh, well, yeah. yesterday I wanted to be this and today I want to be this. And they said I could, so I'm gonna, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, no <laughs> I, noticed, I noticed that about you as well. Uh, first of all, shout out to moms. I know we're just after Father's Day, but uh, I had a good, strong mother in my, in my life too. Uh, amongst a lot of uh, turmoil and, and she yeah. uh, she said a set a great path for me moving forward too for some reason i'm a little riskier than uh the rest of my family like willing to take <laughs> chances but like in terms of work ethic and just going after your dreams like she laid all that foundation man so major yeah. shout out to moms who are, who are carrying weight like that um but i want to uh, let's talk a moment it's funny when we were chatting or setting this up you mentioned melissa casera um and she calls it multi-passionitis i think um <laughs> uh, we talked about it on the show um she was she was been on the show a while back uh and i love her but it seems like you have that too and i have that too and you just alluded to it so I want to know a little bit more about your history, but in, in the way, like what, what led you to the storytelling space that you're in now? I know that you have a background in like hospitality and kind of a lot of different industries. So yeah. can you figure out the path uh, that, that led you to where you are now? Yeah. I mean, when I look back at like the string of things, right, I, I, I dropped out of college to become an actor, ran out of money quickly and was like, okay, ended up working in restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I got a job as a flight attendant in 2000. I was 20 years old in 2000. I got a job as a flight attendant, which helped me move uh, from this little small town working at the Pizza Hut. I went back after college and working at the Pizza Hut in this small town, <laughs> little dusty desert town with my grandma and my sister. Everyone's working at the Pizza Hut together. And my grandma was like, you're miserable. And so she kept slipping like audition notices for like cruise lines to go like be like the singing Aladdin and Disney's thing. But I hadn't really had any training in that. And so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to make those things. And then, you know, she was like, you, you are angry and you don't realize it and you need to go like do the world. And she convinced me to apply for a flight attendant job. I got it and moved to Chicago. Um, and there I started auditioning and, and doing all these things lost that job because of 9-11. Uh, mm. I was really low on the, it's a union, and I was really low yeah. on the list rank-wise. And so when they started laying people off, I was like one of the first people. And so I ended up working in the restaurant industry there and, you know, continued to do improv at, you know, Second City, all the, all the places in Chicago, doing commercials. So I was in like every personal injury uh, lawyer commercial as like a, a teenager who crashed his dad's car um, kind of thing. And- yes. What I started to realize, it wasn't, I didn't go to sleep and wake up the next day and realize this. But what I realized over this time, as I went from being like an assistant manager at like a sandwich shop to becoming the, the like director of training for that same group after seven years and opening a ton of restaurants to becoming a, a wine trainer and sommelier to then eventually being an owner of a restaurant group, a partner is it is never about the stuff. It was never about the sandwiches, the, and especially with wine. Uh, it was never about any of that. It was always about the story. It was always about what we believed, what story we walked in with, what story we were told at the place, 
what story the establishment, including like as a leader in a management role with the team, what, what story did I help them continue to believe? Right. Like that's also part of the power. And so that through line was always there for me. Um, eventually I started to recognize that some of the things we were doing in when I was teaching improv for performers on the side, I started to realize like, oh, this could help the team. Like this could help the team generate ideas for how to solve problems. This could help the team, you know, work together better. So I started applying those things there. And initially when I first left and started speaking and consulting, it was in that world. I was talking to, you know, restaurants, hotels, those kinds of folks about how to build better cultures and better teams because it was the easy yes. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, yeah. it, it was easy for them to say yes to me because they wanted what I had done. And uh, the very first, not the very first, the, a couple of years in this client that I worked with said, Hey, we'd love to have you back next year in this next year for can you come back and, and work with us and i was like oh my gosh how cool yeah I, I get it you probably lost a lot of managers because high turnover so yeah it's, and she's like no, no no we don't want you to speak and i was like well okay you're not the first person who said we'll pay you to not speak um but what they wanted me to do was to train their leadership team for their for their keynotes for what they were going to be saying because she said uh -huh. last year everyone listened to you and then the rest of the day was our exec team and it was so lackluster and we need people to hear the message and do this and i started doing that and i that really it felt like everything clicked and i was like oh this is what i'm supposed to be doing this was the whole all of this stuff was leading to this work that I've been doing now for for you know six years or so. But that's kind of how I got into the storytelling side of things was recognizing that you know the same products served in a different context with a different packaging created a whole different vibe. Um, the same rules and regulations shared at a new hire orientation as every other company feel really different when they're packaged inside of that story. And that got me really interested in, in kind of going deep on it. So, and so now is it still mostly the same thing, training, training leaders, training speakers? I mostly work with speakers at this point, but sometimes there are people who are speaking on behalf of their company. Sure. Um, and and largely around the uh, largely around like really figuring out what are those what what is the the big story we're trying to tell, and that doesn't mean like I only have one and I need to tell it. It could be right. around this new book I'm writing. It could be around something, but figuring out for them, I, I'm not the person to call if you're like I want to write. I want to create basically a five paragraph essay as a speech that people recommend where it's like have an opening have three supporting points and have a closing thing and it's like that's not how humans think actually no. so if you're trying to like inspire an audience that's not how we think so and, and that's not how any screenplay any one person show any play they are not written that way mm -hmm. so how do we use what we know about what is entertaining what does actually change people i mean film and and tv has the the biggest, I feel like if you want to change the world, yes, figuring out how to tell your story on stages is great. Figuring out how to do it on film is even bigger because that really does change the world. And we've seen that again and again, that, that the movies, the recorded talks, those are the things that change people. Um, and so that's mostly the folks that I spend time with are people who are, who are speaking, whether on behalf of themselves or with an organization. What do most of those people struggle with? Is there a certain hand? <laughs> <thing>? Go ahead. <laughs> I think the biggest thing people struggle with, 
and I, and it's always the like surprising, you know, it's not the thing I sell, but it's the thing they get. And that mm. everyone comments on in the testimonials is the, what we have to do is not put more on to be able to stand in front of other people. We have to take more stuff off. We have to reveal how we feel. We have to get rid of all this because we were born. I mean, think about like, think about your, 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 your kids. Think about when we're born, we are pure, unbridled self-expression. From the moment that we come out and that doctor taps us to get us to take that big gulp of breath so that we breathe air for the first time, from that moment until some point in our life when enough people have told us to be polite, to be kind, to not say what we feel, to not express ourselves that way, we are pure expression. And I feel like what I do with people is undo all of that stuff because everything, and, and you've seen this with, with folks you've worked with, I'm sure, especially when, when uh, interviewing someone on film, we really fall apart when there's a camera in front of us. There's, there's, people come in and they'll have a script yeah and they think i need to get the words right definitely and what i know and, and i think what you what you know is you could say those same exact words and it can feel really really different you could say those same words and how we um the image that we put on the screen or on the stage can change the the way it feels so it isn't about the words it's about the sounds those words make Right. Like that's what language is, is sounds. It's musicality. That's why it's hard to understand language sometimes is because we don't know where words begin and end. I speak Spanish uh, pretty near fluent. And so I'm always really cocky when there's another romance language in the room. And I'm like, Portuguese, got it. Um, Italian, got it. Because it's so easy for me to read those languages. But it's really hard for me to hear and understand them. Why? Because when we speak, we sing the words. Always. We're always just singing kind of in a, in a way. There's always melody. And it's hard it, this is why it's hard sometimes to understand like uh, British accents if you're an American or or uh, because the sounds are so different, even though it's the same words that we should technically understand. And so that's the thing that is almost everyone I work with. I'll say everyone. That's what we're undoing is let's undo the stuff that is making the sounds you make. And, and that comes from a lot of places. It comes from psychology. Totally. It comes from physicality, actually breathing, opening your mouth, knowing how to do that, how you're moving your body. All of those things shape what you say more sometimes than the words. Mm. But everybody is worried about the words. <sighs> totally, totally. I love that line so much about <clears throat> it's not about putting more on, but taking more <laughs> off, you know, yeah. revealing like who who and what is underneath because you're you're that's so spot on i mean you can you you can just see the mentality of people of like okay this is me and i want to be a speaker so i need to add this thing and this thing and this <laughs> thing and this thing and this thing yeah. and just, like by the time you're done with this like you're not even recognizable yeah like you've put on all these facades right like i mean so i really that's such a succinct and simple way to put it that it's not it's not really about stacking more on top of you it's it's about taking these layers off that you've been built up i really like that right and if you think about think about the people who've like really um kind of blown up in this world a lot so let's talk about simon sinek simon sinek didn't actually share a personal story at all he didn't share his like start with why talk wasn't about like he went through something right 
he told a story and he had a very clear perspective and opinion about it. And so even if we're sharing someone else's story, being able to strip away all the stuff so that we can show up as we tell it is critical because the audience showed up there to see Simon Sinek talk about Start With Why. So tell us whatever you want. Talk about Apple, talk about Disney, talk about Southwest Airlines, talk about Zappa. The, you know, these are the ones everyone talks about. Yeah. But if you're just retelling something that anyone could have read, we don't need you. But if you can show up like Simon did and have a very clear opinion that is pouring out of you, that is your truth being revealed, great. Now you make like a lot of, I think he's like over $100,000 for a speech by him, yeah. multi best selling book. You look at someone like Brene Brown. <clears throat> she did the opposite. She told her personal story, that very first TEDx that made her uh, kind of a household name in a lot of ways. She changed it the day before because she realized I can't just stand up there and share all this data. Uh, uh, it feels wrong because I'm feeling like a fraud because I'm feeling so scared to do this. And so when she went out on stage, she shared that message. We are so thirsty for realness, for, for, for what feels like truth to us. We are so thirsty for that. And we are we all would say that we would look and say like, oh, that's what I want. I want someone to be real. I want them to tell me I want to see something. And yet when we get up there, we are so scared because of a lifetime, a lifetime of being told, be nice, be polite, say good things, don't mess up, don't be bad, get a good grade, say the right words, that we are so frightened to show ourselves in that moment. And that I think is where the fear of public speaking comes from. It comes from one, not knowing you're going to be okay, regardless of what happens up there, like you're going to be okay. The fear of that unknown, there is no unknown. You're going to be fine. And two is you haven't convinced yourself that what you have to say is so dang important that, that it really matters, that what you have to say is really going to change stuff. And I think we go up there without any personal stuff in the story. So what we have to say doesn't really matter that much because it's not embedded in our bones. And I think when we embed it in our bones, that fear goes away because we're like, I have to go say this thing to these people. I have to go say this thing to these people. Following that same line of like, you know, passion and being real. <clears throat> what, do, how do people achieve, you know, you you have this concept called mic drop moments, which we all kind of <laughs> understand the concept, but as you know, digging around in your content a little bit more, I understand, you know, it's, there are these light bulb moments that, you know, you have mic drop moments, I think in your own journey and then in your speech, you can have mic drop moments, you know, but how, what is the, what is the path to try to get to that sort of enlightenment when you can have one of those moments where it just feels like all is clicking and you're showing, not telling, and you're <laughs> saying it simply, but profoundly, right? How do we, yeah. how do we get to that point? How does one get to that point when they're trying to communicate their ideas? It's, I think it's multi-pronged mm -hmm. and you know what I learned this idea because when I was doing, when I was doing sketch and I was doing comedy, I would see that there are jokes that get people to laugh. Yes. Okay. There's the jokes that get people to laugh. Uh, I've done plenty of like shows at 1am next to Wrigley field in Chicago. And you know, there's just, there's things you can say and they're going to make people laugh. Um, but they're not going to leave and remember that they're not going to leave and talk about that. Nobody else who watched that set or that sketch is going to be like, that was, oh my gosh, that thing, we got to do that. We got to do that again. We got to build that into a show or something. 
the mic drop moments are not those moments. The mic drop moments are where you just said something where you're like, I don't know where that came from, but that is the most purest expression of what I think and who I am that I've ever done. And the audience has that same experience with it. Not because they watched you be boom, I'm awesome mic drop. Um, but because they said like, Oh my gosh, that's, the purest that that was exactly how i feel you can feel it you can feel you that can authenticity feel that. and i think the starting point for that when um someone because a lot of times people will come and i'm sure it's the same for you they'll come and they'll be like what's the story i have to tell to get people to do the thing i want them to do uh, and it's like well that really changed that is a big difference because you got to look at what's the worldview of the people you're going do they already believe this are you trying to change their mind because if you are good luck that's really hard what we have to find is the 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 shared experience so what i say when someone's working on a story is don't focus on the insight or the aha you know if we were telling the story of the tortoise and the hare don't focus on the well the whole point of this story is the slow and steady wins the race that's just the the business side of the thing and in fact in most if you think about a lot of um, plays, musicals, television, now maybe not television as much as, as film, they don't tell you that. They don't tag the story with that at the end. Like not even like Disney stuff doesn't tag it with here's the moral of the story because that's part of that experience that we leave and we say, I think it was about this. Like everyone who's seen Hamilton, the thing that you leave the theater talking about is, was that about Eliza the whole time? The, the Broadway musical, you're like, was that actually about her the whole time? Because there's like that ending that makes you think, wait, I think it's about her and not him the whole time. And so if, if Lin-Manuel Miranda said that at the end, by the way, this is a retelling of it, it would ruin it for people because we need something to leave and talk about. And so what we have to focus on in our story is not the insights, but what is the shared experience that the audience is going to say, ah, been there. This is for me that I, that I remember that that feels right because then they'll go on the journey with you. Then they're not so worried about what's the insight here for me. It's like, oh yeah, I've experienced that. I've been on that before. We have to find that shared experience. And I, I think when people are working on stories for stage or screen, they don't look for that enough. And that was one of the things I noticed in all of the work I did in, in comedy was those are the best jokes. Those are the mic drop moment jokes are the ones where, um, or the mic drop moment scenes, the ones where the collective, the audience also was like, oh, been there, done that. And like when I've worked, I mentioned, I was uh, name dropping earlier, like when I've worked with astronauts or people who've climbed Mount Everest or something, it's really hard for them. So if you're listening to this or watching this and you think, I don't have a story to tell, Trust me, those people have a really hard time telling a story because that is so unrelatable. Right, like, right. We cannot relate to that. There's a reason that celebrities have to try to be like, I go on grocery shopping for Dove soap, just like you. Because if something is unrelatable, it's really hard for us to care deeply about. True. And the stuff that you've been through, that's relatable stuff. So let's mm -hmm. find the shared experience in that. And then I know you have a story worth sharing. That's that's. Those are the only stories we're sharing. You know, what you're talking about is so... <clears throat> you know, metaphoric about story. And anyway, you're just, you're talking about connection. You know, what I love about story mm. is that it's this symbiotic, you know, relationship between the storyteller and the story listener, the audience. Uh, I mean, this is, we talked, you know, when we were emailing back and forth about Dr. Paul Zach, you know, this yeah. is oxytocin, right? This is neural coupling. This is all that, especially in comedy, right? Like it's a journey that we're going on together. It's not me telling jokes and you laughing. It's right. us feeling the same thing. And you have to be that in tune with the audience 
to make them them in tune with you. What you're talking about is that is that connection, and and I I think that's, I mean that's everything with storytelling. And you're <laughs> right that people aren't thinking; they're thinking just from one perspective of like what, how am I going to deliver the information that I have in my head and get it out versus how am I going to really establish and strengthen this connection what are those you know mic drop moments that i can yeah. have that people will remember because they're not going to remember the factoids or you know every speech that you that, that, that you book you got to send people the three to five takeaways or whatever right. and most likely what's going to be memorable about your speech if you're doing it well are not those things right like you know, mine, yeah. you know, the, the last one I did before the, before the pandemic, you know, I was telling a story about my dad and the boat I grew up on. That's what, you know, the people took away from it, it was a group of sailors. So, right. The, the, the boat thing, they were all crying and, and loving it. Like, that's what they really like left with. It wasn't like how to tell a good story. I mean, yes, they absorbed that information, I hope, but that's not the thing that like really impacted them and, and, and caught their attention. And so at the end of the day, you're talking about establishing and strengthening that connection. And that's, that's everything once you understand how how important it is and then how to to create it and cultivate it well and it's the 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 lie we tell ourselves all the time is that we are so logical that we make really really um logical decisions and we and and it's not true we make almost entirely emotional decisions that then we explain with logic, which is how we got to this place, by the way, where people are like disowning their mother and their cousins on Facebook, fighting about vaccines and masks and politics and all of this is that we think that people are arguing based on the facts of the situation. And we're not because you can find and regardless of which side you've been on in those things, you can find facts to support whatever you want. Yep. You can. We live in a post-fact world. And so what we have to find is that those truth moments, those those places where the the worldviews match and the frames that we can tell the story within match. And that's how we change someone. Because, I mean, if it was true that we were so fact-driven, that we were so logical, we would all drive Toyota Camrys, because uh, Toyota Camry hybrid or Toyota Corolla hybrid, because it's like, why do we need that? We would, we just, I have a, a newborn-ish, an infant, I have an infant, and we did the whole thing. I used to have like a, a, a sporty kind of Mercedes, and it was like, got to get rid of that. For no reason, it had four doors and the and she fit fine in her car seat in the back. But the story and I told myself was we need something else. So then it was like we need a minivan, we need an SUV. Went through all of all of those were just stories because we can get this child around in a Ford Fiesta just fine. <laughs> Plenty of people do. And it makes no logical sense. And all of the SUV choices, choosing an SUV over the minivan, that also makes no logical sense because the minivan is safer than the SUV almost all the time. But we believe these stories we tell so much and it has nothing to do with logic. We believe that about generic cereal versus name brand cereal. We believe that about sunglasses that are all generally made by the same one company. Uh, we believe that about perfumes that because Celine Dion put her name on it, it smells different, even though she was probably marginally involved. None of those are logical at all. None of it is. It is all emotional. And if we're on stage, if we're on a screen and we are trying to change people with enough facts and enough logic, that I think is part of where the imposter syndrome comes from, because mm. the entire time your audience is sitting in the sitting there Googling to see, is that true? Is it not true? Is there this? Guess what they're not doing that about? The story about your dad on a boat. Nobody's right. Googling to see if that happened the way you said. They're just in it. And that is what changes people, not the information. That's perfect. Um, I know we could, we could, we could go on for a while. 
<clears throat> you ever feel like you're like, I think I met my soul brother here. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you know I've you, been you, watching you. Like, I'm not sure when we initially connected or where or how. I mean, we have a lot of like mutual friends. So yeah. It just happens on, in the in the Twitterverse and the internet. Uh, but no, I really love that so much. So I, I know we don't have much more time. You got to go take take care of your baby. But that how do people how do people get better at that and realize, you know, hey, I got to hook people emotionally. Like you just said it very well. And I heard it. Right. And the people listening will hear it. They can understand that in theory. But it's all it's often difficult to like execute. Right. What's that change that we can that we can go through in ourselves to, to, to understand like how to strategically create those moments. I think the, the big, I mean, there's, there's obviously like a lot of like shift that can change. And, and the more that we stay up there and reveal more, the better it gets all that stuff. But if we're looking for like a very logical place for someone to start, you have a, you have a, a, a talk today, you're going to hop on Facebook live or something, and you want to try this out. I think the place where I would start with your message, with your story, even if it's a story you've told before and you're like, ah, I need to rework it a little bit here is to really start with that shared experience piece of saying what is the thing that they've also been through because that has informed their worldview that's then infecting the what they do so we can't get to the what they do part until we look and say what is the what is the shared experience that we all have and it's like maybe it's that we all want to uh we all care for this or we all believe this or somehow we we both ended up thinking uh the best way to to parent is yeah. to be really stern and strict that a dad is supposed to be stern and strict okay so if we're just trying mm. to tell people not to be stern and strict that they need to be sensitive in that that feels like you're telling me i'm wrong yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and you're not gonna win yeah you're not gonna win because i'm gonna sit there the whole time and be like you're you're wrong and i'm gonna look at this i'm gonna find someone on twitter they said you're wrong by by being sensitive with your child you're messing them up but if i could figure out what was the leading cause of that yes what do we believe then i have a chance of actually getting things to change and so i would say start at what is the shared experience that then like made them do the thing that they're doing yeah, what yeah. is that it, and then that's the story you should tell and it's so disarming like what you just said like if, if I approach and I can use the, you know, stern, abusive, you know, parents uh, <laughs> metaphor. But yeah, if you did that, if you were speaking on stage, you're like, how many of those people, how many people out there had that parent that told them to go get a switch when they were younger? You'd get a lot of, you know, a lot of people would raise their hands and you'd be able to kind of, even though it's a dark, you know, you'd be able to kind of sure. laugh about it, but it disarms them, right? Because you, you've established that shared experience. And now you can start to poke holes in the, in the, in the right. in that approach of parenting, yeah. but not until you've created that shared experience and that bond. You're 100% right. If I just went in there and started bashing discipline, you'd have everybody in there saying like, well, it happened to me and I turned out fine. I mean, I see this going on right. in conversation online right now. So yeah, that's, I think that's a perfect place to, to just cap it off is, is to really empathize with the audience and, and find that shared experience. And then you can start to do the work that, that you want to do there. Yeah. Make the impact, you know, communicate the, the, the information you need to, but I think that's perfect. And it really, it loops back almost. We're doing like a really good storyteller thing here. I saw you, you did an episode or you posted something about like the beginning and the, the beginning and the end matching or looking. Oh, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if we go back to the beginning of this episode, I was talking about looking at all the worlds you've been in. Mm -hmm. That's how you find the shared experiences, because you mm -hmm. were not born a human being who knew what you now know. Yeah. You weren't. Yeah. 
And so what were the worlds you were in that you encountered that? Because even if it's not, I had a stern parent, but it's like, oh my gosh, I remember in third grade and it's, it's, it's close enough. That's enough. So this whole idea that we just shared goes back to, well, how do you find those things? So it's not always like right on the nose. Well, you go back and you look at all the worlds you've experienced because in there is how you became the person you are today. And that's probably the story you should share. Absolutely. And then you can find other people that have worked at Pizza Hut or Pizza Inn and you're immediately connected. <laughs> I do love it though. You you definitely showed your North Carolina when you said, go get a switch. Because yeah. we didn't have switches in Southern California. We didn't we didn't do switches over here. And it's not because, you know, we're like super liberal over here and people right. weren't spanking their kids. It's just we didn't have switches. So yeah, your North Carolina nah, came out. We got them switches and the thinner the worst. Whew. Oh gosh. And if you went and got like a dead one that you know would break on the front, you they'd know and they'd be like, uh-uh, go back. Go get, oh, go it's get a, one the that's fresh and green. Oh goodness. Thank you so much for making some time for me today. I appreciate it. This was this was everything that I hoped it would be. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is super fun. Absolutely. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 